literally, if you want to be successful, you have to be arrogant to a point because there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be people who want to cancel you, who want to bring you down. And I mean, you have to believe in yourself so unabashedly that nothing can stop you, especially yourself. And you've got to be willing to like get your ass in the game. Hey friends, you're listening to the Elevated You Podcast. I'm your host, Kay Cote. Think of me as that friend in your corner here to help you befriend your inner bully. What is an inner bully? You know, that naysaying voice that holds you back from accomplishing your dreams and goals. I want to help you break through the lies, self-doubts, and fears that hold you back from being the truest version of yourself. In each episode, I share real-life stories, impactful conversations, and resources that help you elevate your life and well-being. In this episode, my conversation with Michael Unbroken will inspire you to see through your excuses and hit the start button on your life. You'll also learn how to conquer your fears that hold you back from success. Michael's young life was struck with deep trauma and abuse. At the age of 13, he found himself face first in a full-on drug addiction and identity crisis. His life was filled with hardships, including addiction, emotional disorders, obesity, and ultimately a total breakdown. It's through his foundational principles of his platform, Think Unbroken, that Michael has been able to pull himself out of this vortex and take his life back and understand and overcome his childhood trauma. Michael reminds us that though trauma may be your foundation, it doesn't have to be your future. Michael is the host of the Think Unbroken podcast, where in each episode, he helps you transform your trauma into triumph. If you like this episode, I highly recommend checking it out. This episode covers conversation of abuse and neglect and may be triggering to some. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you so much, Michael, for joining me today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you, getting to know your work, and hearing a bit about your story. I'd love to share with the audience a little bit about you. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm honored to be here with you. It's going to be fun. Um, I mean, like, you know, talk about the world's most loaded question, right? You know, I think that one thing I always tell people before getting into my story, my background is like, please don't compare yourself to me. My, my story, my journey is very insane. It's like movie-like at times. So I'll give you the elevator pitch and then we just go as deep as you want to, uh, however you think it's going to be valuable. Uh, so I grew up in Indianapolis. Mom was a drug addict, alcoholic, um, I share this publicly. She cut off my right index finger when I was four years old. Um, people always go, well, how could your mother do that? And I'm like, well, hurt people, hurt people. It's a sign of generational trauma. A stepfather, super abusive, put me in the hospital multiple times. I mean, dude was 6'4", 220, freaking linebacker, beating up a seven-year-old. So, you know, use your imagination. Um, spent most of my childhood like deeply impoverished and, and homeless. And in fact, from eight to 12 years old, we lived over 30, three, zero, 30 different families. And then my grandmother adopted me when I was 12. Uh, she, you know, in, in some sense it was a godsend cause I finally had a safe place to be, but I'm biracial black and white. And she's an old ass racist white lady from a town in Tennessee. You never heard of. So insert identity crisis. And, and what happened is at 12 years old, I got high for the first time, smoking weed, popping pills. By the time I'm 13, I'm getting drunk, 15, kicked out of school. 
18, they are like, never come back. And I spent the the next few years trying to navigate life, you know, doing what people do from where I'm from, breaking into houses, stealing cars, hurting people, running with guns, getting shot at from the cops, getting put in handcuffs, like crazy shit. And, and what happens is I'm working at this warehouse job, you know, this putting microchips and motherboards all day, 12 hours a day, 15 minute breaks, 25 minute lunch, just watching the desperation in people's eyes, right? This place where like literally dreams go to die because people are so scared. You know, you just see it, you feel it in their energy. And I got fired from that job. Like it's impossible. And somehow I figured it out. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm sitting in my car. I had just got kicked out of summer school and I was like, okay, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you need to figure something out right now. And I was like, all right, then you cannot get out of this car, out of this fucking parking lot until you come up with a solution. And for like an hour, two hours, I don't even remember. I just kept thinking about what is the solution for poverty, homelessness, abuse, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, it's money. It's got it. Like, what else would it possibly be? It has to be money. And so I made this declaration to myself. I'll make a hundred grand a year by the time I'm 21. Um, and I will do it legally, which was super important. Um, I have family in prison for life. I've uh, been in handcuffs quite a few times and my three best friends have been murdered. So like I knew where I was going and I made that declaration. I landed a job two years later with a Fortune 10 company, Fortune 10, no high school diploma, no college education, started making six figures, almost made a million bucks by the time I was 25. And of course, my life was a fucking disaster. I was 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, $50,000 in debt, living paycheck to paycheck, making 150 to 200 grand a year. And my little brother says, never talk to me again. My girlfriend finds out I'm cheating on her with like three other people. Um, my best friends all stop hanging out with me and like, I'm ready to kill myself. And I had this massive rock bottom moment was looking at my life. Like, dude, what are you doing? And again, here we are. This is like, it's, it's weird. Cause it's like seven years later. Right. And they talk about your cells change every seven years. So I go from 18 to 25. Here we are seven years later having another rock bottom, but in a different way. And, and I was like remembering this, this moment of being eight years old and the water company had come, turned our water off. And I remember being like, all right, when I'm a grown up, this won't be my life. And, and in a lot of ways, like it wasn't because I was doing really well, but here I am having this moment where it's this crazy Saturday morning, the arguably one of the worst days of my life. Um, 350 pounds. I'm laying here smoking a joint, eating chocolate cake and watching the CrossFit games. It's like, I don't know how it gets any worse than that. And so I'm having this moment and I'm having this recollection of being like when you're a grown up. Right. And I was looking in the mirror and I asked myself, like a question that changed my life. This is, I swear to God, you ask yourself this question, everything about your life will be different. I asked myself, what are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And then the answer, God, spirit, universe, mother nature, Batman, I don't know where it came from. The answer was no excuses, just results. And for 13 years, I've been on that path, which has led me to where I am today. 
Michael, first of all, thank you so much for sharing this story with us. That is an incredible journey that you've been through and transformative and so painful. You've been through so much. How was it you started that path to healing, your healing journey? Yeah, I had to decide to start. You know, I mean, that's what it really comes down to. I mean, I think that's actually a really good name for a book too. Um, I, uh, you know what the fuck you need to do. Stop lying to yourself. You know what it is. It keeps you awake at night. It bothers you when you're like in transitions. It, it when you're in the shower, it pops up. When you're on the drive, like it's there. When you're at the like, do it. And that's what I realized I needed to do. And and for me, that first step, it was in this decision, executing against all these fears that I had. Right. It was like, all right, what am I scared of? Go do that. And that's just kind of what it started to become. It was like, all right, stop smoking two packs a day. Maybe you could treat your body better. Go to the gym, do yoga, and don't drink so much. Stop cheating on your girlfriend. Maybe you need to be fucking single for five years and do some real inner work. Go to therapy, be serious about it. Pack all of your stuff, move across the country to a place where nobody knows you and start over. I teach my clients this all the time. I'm like, you need to leave. You need to leave this environment. You need to get out of this place where every single day it's like you're reminded of all the chaos. I don't want that. You know, and so it was like, do those things. Go to therapy, go to group therapy, men's group therapy, Gestalt, EMDR, CBT, NLP, ABC, like all the fucking acronyms. You know, invest all of my money, all my time, all my effort, everything into this journey. Right. And that's what I did. And that's what I still do. And it's, you know, I, I look at it like this is like so many of us were set up for failure. We, we don't have parents who guide us. We're in communities where we're not taken care of. The, the social constructs are against us. I mean, I was so poor as a kid. Like I would literally still close from the lost and found like at school and kids would be like, that's my shirt. And I'd be like, and I need it. Yeah. You left. Right. And so it's like, you, what I had to do to survive doesn't equal what you have to do to, to thrive. And I was like, all right, I'm going to go figure all this out. I don't care if I'm in debt. I don't care if I got to sleep on couches. I don't care if I have to sell everything I own. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, and I meant it. Like I literally meant no excuses. And unless you mean that it, all this that I'm saying doesn't matter. And so you have to be willing to push yourself into the unknown, like literally. Mm -hmm. 100%. Because that's where you're going to discover. And, and the thing about these decisions that we make, I'm not saying they're easy. None of it is easy, right? No, there's never a moment in which your life gets better that it's actually an easy transition. There's normally turmoil or pain. I wish I knew who said this because I, I don't want to take credit for it, but it was a, an incredible quote. I've never heard this before. And, and it this guy goes, no one will ever understand how much violence I had to go through to be this peaceful. And so I was on this journey of like seeking peace. I was like, I'm tired of burning everything down. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of burning down my finances, my health, my relationships, my family, my community, my, my self-esteem, my every, I was like, I'm tired of it. I've already suffered enough. And so like, I'm going to go seek peace. And it's not like I have 
peace every day. Like life is chaotic. I run multiple businesses. I'm traveling. I speak all like, but I live life on my terms. And that all started 13 years ago with deciding. And people always ask me that question, Kay. They're always like, what's the first thing? I'm like, you know, the first thing you're just too (laughs) afraid to fucking do it. This is true. What you said resonates with me so much. And it, it did just take that time, that moment in my life where I was like, just do the damn thing. Just do it. Like there was a quote. I love the quote you gave me. And I, I had one as well that said, you know, life is hard. Choose your hard. I mean, no matter what, it's going to be hard. So I'd rather choose my hard where I'm actually on my purpose, dealing with all the challenges that come with that rather than, like you said, like being in that other place, that dark place where you, 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 your weight is going up. You're not treating those around you well. Like that's a whole different hard. So it's like I'd rather go down the path that's challenging me, but I'm growing and I know it's the right path. Yeah. And on the backside of that, everything will be different. You know, I don't do anything for the sake of doing it. And, And in fact, I'm so clear, like in front of me right now is everything that I own, which is not a lot, but packed up ready to go, ready to the next place. You know, what do you have to give up to get what you want? Like, I I want what's next. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to do what it takes. And like, I feel the opportunity call and it's like, I, you got to go, right? Go to wherever it is that you believe that you're going to be successful. And you have to have the, look, there is this concept that I, that I really, really love about this idea of having the arrogance of belief. This is something many, many people talk about, but I got it from Tom Bilyeu, who I've known for years. And when he, when, he, when he first explained this to me, I didn't get it, right? I didn't really understand it. And then I started to understand it more and more and more. And what it means is like, literally, if you want to be successful, you have to be arrogant to a point because there's going to be naysayers. There's going to be people who want to cancel you, who want to bring you down. And I mean, you have to believe in yourself so unabashedly that nothing can stop you, especially yourself. And you've got to be willing to like get your ass in the game. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, and you're going to fuck up a lot. You're going to make huge mistakes. You're going to hurt people's feelings. You're going to hurt your own feelings. You're going to be like, why did I do the thing I said I'd never do again? Cause you're a human. And that's just, fact, right? You're infallible. Like that's just the nature of it, right? You're fallible, I should say, excuse me. And like, you know, I think about a lot of my friends who are successful in life. I'm not talking about business or money. I'm just talking about life. They made decisions. They're like, I'm going to go get this. You know, everything I teach my clients is no excuses, just results. Okay. Bring me your favorite excuse and I'll tell you why it's valid. I'll tell you why it's valid. You're allowed to be, it's allowed to be valid. And then I'll tell you exactly why you won't be successful because you're leveraging that excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing about this. Like you, you want, people are like, I want, I want, I want, like you can want it all. Are you going to go get it? It's a very big fucking difference. That's a huge, huge thing I've been learning. Like in the last couple of years, it's like, if you want something, just go for it. And we're the only ones that hold ourselves back. and if you're around people that are holding you back, then you got to think about the people you're around too. And so shifting. And I've noticed that with growth and just like finding the people that do push me along the way, those people in my corner. 
And I've seen people in my life kind of fall away. And that's been a, that's been challenging, honestly. So I'd like to talk about that. How do you handle the shifts? Like when you do start to embark on your path, when you do start to make these decisions? Uh, look, transitions are everything in life. And you have to expect that they're coming. There's nothing you can do about it. Whether you like it or not, today is different than yesterday. Tomorrow is different than today. That's how it goes. And the same is going to apply to the people in your life. And in fact, I would argue, like, if you have the same people in your life that were there when you started this journey, you need to assess whether or not they're really bringing value to you. You know, I just, I I had a conversation the other day with somebody who I've known for a long time. And this is like the fifth time this person called me a workaholic. And I was like, I don't want to be friends with you anymore because you don't get it. There's no ism to building your dream. There's no, there's no thing that's negative about going after what you want, about changing the world. And if somebody is saying that, that's their own limiting belief. And I'm like, dude, we already talked about this. I told you I'm not a workaholic. I show up. I don't sacrifice relationships or friendships. Do I miss events sometimes? I sure do. I'm on planes 50 times a year. I don't know where I'm going to be. But, you know, I, I try to show up. I'll send you the voice note, send you the video, hit you up, come through when I can. I'm going to go build my dream. Mm-hmm. And that's not a, that's not an ism. And we have this weird thing in society where people are always like, oh man, you work too hard. You're probably not working hard enough. I'm not even working hard enough. Right. And that's not just it about like money and monetarily. That's like in your relationship. Are you really showing up? Cause for six months you were showing up. You were showing up when you were courting and trying to get laid and hanging out and meeting the friends and shit. And now what? You're comfortable, so you ain't going to show up anymore. You're not going to play all out, right? Going to the gym. You got a little bit in shape. Now what are you doing, right? You give – but but what what it is is like the, the people in your life who are supposed to be there, they're going to – A, they're going to support you in this. And they're going to be like, yeah, dude, I get it. Go get it. My, my friend group is fucking incredible because they're like, are you even working hard enough? Like, are you – like, what are you doing? You know, and I want that. I need that. Mm-hmm. And then we support each other constantly. But if you're a naysayer, if you're a nagger, if you're a person who's trying to bring me down, I, you can't sit at my table. Like, get away from me. And I'm going to give you real context. I'm the same kid when I was 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Not a soul came to my birthday party for like four or five straight years. Not one kid. And my birthday last year, my friends came in from four different states on airplanes. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like you got to really check who you're surrounding yourself with. But look, like attracts like. So if you're around people who are just bullshitters, chances are you are too. Right. If you're, you're around people who are negative, chances are you are too. If you're around people who are taking away, chances are you are too. And that's a really hard pill for people to swallow because we always want to point the finger. And it's like, your fault, your fault, your fault. And I love when people, especially my mentors, call me out and they're like, dude, this is on you. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. But those yeah. people, if they're not, they're not talking and speaking into you, if they're not making your life different in a positive way, they don't need to be in your life. And look, here's the hard part about this too. I'm not speaking this like from the pulpit where I'm like, get rid of all your friends. I'm just saying, take inventory of them and, and your family as well. You know, when I was 14, I put a restraining order on my mother. At 14, I made that decision. At 18, I told her I would never talk to her again. And until the day she died, I didn't, except maybe like one or two times. 
And what people have to understand is sometimes the very person in your way is your own mother. Yeah, that's that's very true. And it's like we think about the people we spend time with and we are most like those people closest to us, that five to 10 friends that and family that we spend time with. And for to level up, we have to spend time with those people that are encouraging, that we are encouraging to, that we are on the same wavelength or can learn from. So that's been a huge learning curve for me too in the last few years. I listened to your podcast this past week and it was completely pulled me out of my own funk and my own self-defeating mentality. How has podcasting influenced your work and your life? Yeah, nobody's ever asked me that. That's a great question. Um, I So I actually started listening to podcasts before they were really podcasts. And so I can rewind 12 years ago for the first time, like finding out RSS feed. And then I started my first podcast in 2012 um, before anybody. So a decade ago, but I didn't understand it. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I ran a photography company there. So it was a photographer podcast. I interviewed like five people on Skype, but we couldn't figure out how to like put it up. It was the whole thing. And so oddly enough, like it's always been a part of my life. Um, I consume podcasts like people consume music. I watch YouTube the way that people watch TV and movies. Like I am only putting content that makes my life better in my ears and my eyes. Now, do I watch movies sometimes? Yeah, of course I do. Right. But I don't, I can't really tell you about new music. I can't really tell you about new television. Um, I listen to podcasts for the purpose of knowing that it is the greatest source of information we've ever had accessible to us for free. And when you look, I got a library. Well, it's all packed up. I've library here, hundreds of books, hundreds. I've read every single one of them and it takes forever to do that. And with a podcast, I can throw it in my ears. I can listen to these interviews. I can find the nuances of success that people had. I can identify why people failed. I can be mentored by everyone. You know, now I've been mentored by a lot of these people in real life, but some of these people I've never met and they changed my life forever. And and that's the thing about podcasts that I love. And, you know, in, in some extent, I get to do that for other people, you know, with the people I've interviewed. When when I do a solo show, when we have events and stuff, like we're giving and that's what it is. Like, I love it because like I probably wouldn't be here without YouTube. Right. And I mean that. And because it's like, and podcasting, you know, I go back the, it all started for me at John Lee Dumas, you know, him, him and Kate started, um, entrepreneurs on fire. And the first show I ever listened to was Gary Vaynerchuk on that show. And I had just started reading crush it. And I was like, Oh, cool. Like just the spiral, you know? And now it's like these same people I used to have in my ears, I have dinner with. And it's like this really incredible experience to get to have. And, you know, for me, I, I think like podcasts are still in their infancy. I mean, if you really look at it, the listenership is really low. Nobody is still consumes podcast content that frequently. You know, we ha- we're battling a lot of distractions in terms of social media content. But ultimately, I I love sitting down and getting educated for hours. Mm -hmm. And here's the tricky part, though. You got to do something with it. (laughs) It's true. You know, a lot of people just listen. I'm like, go take some fucking action. Learn something today and go put it into action. It's it's mind boggling what you can do. 
It really is. And that's like where I found even like a sense of therapy or a sense of um, community mentorship through podcasting and have met mm. incredible people just recently. I love that and I can relate. And I remember even just when I started too, it was like I had this mentor uh, through Drew Perot out of LA. He was my, my unofficial mentor. And eventually he uh, like his podcast just really inspired me to start one. Um, and yeah, I love that. I love that you share that story because what you're putting out is really valuable too. I really enjoy your show and the work you're doing. Um, so you said your bags were packed. Where are you off to next? What's your next big move? Yeah, I'm just going uh, across the street to Vegas. So I'm in Denver right now and just going going down the road a bit. You know, it just seems like especially where I'm at in my life, how frequently I'm in Vegas, how often I'm traveling. It just makes sense. Like if you look at it, there's more nonstop flights out of Vegas to anywhere in the world than anywhere else. And so I'm like, I'm tired of layovers and I'm tired of like all. So I'm excited and there's amazing community there. And so for me, that's everything. If there was no community, I probably wouldn't go because I already played that game once when I moved to Portland when I was 30 and that sucked. And so having community and, and a great group of friends who are all entrepreneurs and all, actually, they're almost all, pod, I think they're all podcasters too, except maybe one. He's, not, yeah, they're almost all podcasters. So it's just about community. And that's the thing people miss out on too. It's like, yeah, I want you to pack up and leave, but go somewhere where you know one person mm-hmm. who wants your life to be better. Oh, it can just be a game changer when you make a big move like that, for sure. That's my experience too is, it just helps so much to have that and like start to build that same type of community that you've already had before. Like if you've built a strong community network, I think it makes it all the easier to, like you said, have that one person and then get plugged in right away and just let yourself shine and you're going to attract those like-minded people again. So that's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited 100%. for you. Yeah, me too. I'm ready. What's on your mind right now? What are you passionate about right now? You know, here's the interesting thing. Like, I don't, I don't do anything that doesn't move me towards the life I want to have. And so my passions are, and passion's a weird word, because like, I don't even necessarily need to be passionate to do stuff. I just know that it needs to get done, so I do it. And, you know, I think the most important thing is, one, the podcast, I mean, growing that we've only ever been as high as number 30 in the United States and I want to get to number one. So that's just my own competitive nature. Um, so that requires me becoming a better marketer requires me becoming a better host, you know, and, and it's funny too, because people like you're, they tell me all the time, like I'm one of the best interviewers they've ever sat with. And I'm like, good, but I'm still not that good. Like I'm trying to get Oprah good, Katie Couric good. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be really, really good. So I'm studying communication and public speaking and how to find the nuances in people in the conversation, how to ask the questions people are afraid to ask, right? How to go deep. And and I'm just studying great interviewers right now. Like, that's one of the reasons I consume so much podcasts is because, like, I want to be one of the best. Yeah. Like, I'm driven by being one of the – when people go, who are the best podcasters, I want my name to be mentioned. Because we're 600, year, 600 episodes and five years into this. I've interviewed a lot of people, a lot of people with really big names. And they've all been like, you did a great job. And I'm like, good. Now, how do I get to be number one? So studying that, studying communication, becoming a better public speaker, right? 
um, stepping into a lot of different unknown arenas, right? Always challenging myself. Like even moving as a challenge, like uh, every single day, I'm like, can I make myself really uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. There's got there's always got to be something that you have to do today. Right. There, there's like a space where you're like, I've got to do this thing. I 100% agree with that because I feel like once you start building momentum and you start the ball rolling on the big scary things or taking on something, it it keeps going. Like a body in motion stays in motion and I feel like it's just you can leap to the next thing and the opportunities will just start to pop up if you really start to, like you said, like really believe in yourself, put yourself out there and do the thing. And it's amazing what what comes, what snowballs of that. Well, it's like, have you ever read The Alchemist? I've started it, yes. <laughs> yeah, so you should you should finish it. I think it's a great book, but there there's there's a, a parable in there where it's well, I guess really the whole book is, but there there's a line in there that says the universe is always conspiring in your favor. Right? But you have to take action and tell the universe what you want. Like you can't to me, you can't be nonchalant about anything. Like I have massive clarity about everything I want from the kind of relationships to my body, to my health, to my finances, to the car I drive, to the color of the cabinets in my lake house. Like I know exact, I know exactly to a T now, none of those things I have, right. But incrementally over time, I've gotten different things that I've moved towards one day. I, like I'll give you a great example. One day I said, one day Grant Cardone will invest in one of my companies. Well, he did three years ago. One day I'll be voted as number one speaker in the country. That's happened. I'll win these events. I'll do this. I'll do that. Right. And, and it's always about massive clarity. Cause if, if you have massive clarity and you take action towards it, the universe will help you. There's just no way you can't be successful. It's impossible. Right. As long as you don't quit, if you quit, well, all right, sorry about you. And, and that's why I really try to think about this three feet from gold mentality. Right. And that concept is like, you're probably three feet away. Tomorrow is probably the day, but tomorrow might be 12 years from now. Right. And so just know that it's coming to my, the thing I've really sat on thinking about being passionate about stuff is like less concerned with passion, more concerned with showing up every day and knowing that eventually I believe this in my heart. Eventually I will get everything I want. How could I not think about this? When you're a little kid, you're so like, we all do this. Every little kid has this moment of fearlessness where they just start begging for the thing that they want. And you start negotiate and you're like, I'll, I'll clean the car and I'll, I'll, I'll do the, the leaves and I'll blah, 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 buy me this $4 toy. And eventually we wear our parents down, our grandparents down, our aunts down, our, our stepdads down, whatever, right? You wear them down. They go, Jesus, will you just shut up already? Here's the fucking toy. You've got to do that with your life. You've got to wear the universe down until the universe is like, here it is. Jesus, will you fucking shut up? Here, we, we got it. And, and that's just what I think about every day. It's like, I'm just moving towards these things every single day. I have clarity about, and, and I have that clarity because I sat down and I wrote everything, everything. I do this twice a year. It takes like four or five hours where I'm just like this and 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 this. And, this. and then when I do that, there's never any confusion. 
Yeah. I'm never confused about what I'm supposed to do next. And that's why most people fail. They're like, I'm passionate about this, but I don't know what to do. That's because you don't have clarity about what it is that you're wanting. Mm -hmm. You haven't really laid it out. You've just said, I kind of think I maybe sort of want this. And I'm like, this is exactly what I want. And passion doesn't have to play a role in that. I think that's a, I think that becomes an excuse for people. Like, I don't, I'm not passionate about it anymore. Well, then you don't actually want it. Mm-hmm. That's true. You, know, you don't want it. You, you say you do. You want the excuse of being like, I lost interest. I'm like, you never wanted it to begin with if you lost interest. For eight years now, I've been trying to reach the same goals. You know? It's not different. It's not different today. I mean, does it evolve? Sure. But at the end of the day, it's still the same thing. It all, like podcasts, books, coaching, speaking, traveling, stage, all that stuff is about one thing. Can I end generational trauma in my lifetime? That's it. Can I educate people and help them? That's that's it. That's my only interest in life. And everything else just sits underneath that. And that's what people have to do is they've got to get clarity. Like you want to be the greatest mom of all time. Great. You want to be an awesome gummy bear manufacturer. Perfect. Like whatever it is, it doesn't matter, but everything has to move you towards that. And if it doesn't, then you're just wasting time. Yeah, that's very true. And it's like, we have this one life to do these things that, and it's, it's so important. I love that you said you check in with yourself, you know, twice a year you write and you take that time and you invest in that. I think that's huge. Um, yeah, this has been an incredible conversation. I appreciate you so much. I feel like sure. everybody's going to get so much out of this episode. I'd love to share how can people connect with you and the work you do? Yeah, I'm everywhere on social at Michael Unbroken. Um, and then they can just check out the Think Unbroken podcast if you just go to thinkunbrokenpodcast.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Michael. This has been such a joy. Yeah, for sure, my friend. Anytime.